Welcome to 84 Ounces of Freedom, everybody. Uh, my name is Mr. Cole. And I am the Sultan of Zanzibar, and I talk trucks. Yet again. Uh, today, uh, we are drinking whiskey. Uh, I got a bottle of whiskey here that Dave has not tried before, the Lexington. Um, and Dave knows a little bit about um, labels. Can you tell us what the deal is with this bourbon? Well, it's not a straight bourbon and it does not say it was distilled in Kentucky so I'm thinking that this product they probably had distilled at that huge distillery in Indiana where so many whiskey companies buy their spirits from and then they probably did the barrel aging part it says in Bowling Green interesting so it's slightly cheating and I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd call it misleading. The, the the fact is that it's inexpensive and it's good. So who am I to complain? Shit, it's even forty three percent. They were even more generous than they had to be. So it's nice. It's um. I'm I'm hot. I'm sipping it with some ice. It's good. Yeah, it's definitely good. And the reason, so we are supposed to be drinking seven beers in one hour, but we cannot. And we should probably explain that. I don't think we did a good enough job of explaining it last time. Hey, so, at least it's not raining this time. Yeah, that's all true. Probably the only other sound you can hear is the ticking of this clock right behind us. So basically, I'm tired of being a fat fuck and I'm on keto and the only booze I can have are distilled spirits because the distillation process, the vapors that come out of a still, there's no carbohydrate that can pass through that pro through the still. So, um, And you're on the quest for the elusive keto crotch. <laughs> forgot about that i don't know if that's really a thing they say that's a thing i i wouldn't know i didn't know you wanted to get skinny i thought you just wanted to piss off julian michaels <laughs> so anyway the only thing i can drink is distilled spirits and i love whiskey so we are sipping whiskey we just worked our dicks off um putting up fencing and now we're sipping whiskey we've got three we've got um we talked about the lexington and then on sale at the local market was this Stillhouse America's Finest Black Bourbon. Same thing. This is an inexpensive whiskey that was not distilled where it was produced and bottled. This probably came from Indiana as well. And I believe they took a neutral spirit and then they mellowed it in some oak casks. And then their shtick or their like um twist on it is they say they've mellowed in coffee beans which i don't know is just weird we'll taste it and see if we notice um and then it's in this sort of neat looking black it almost looks like a can that you would get like paint thinner in this same company's putting out a moonshine in, in a red a red container like that are they it's definitely all a marketing ploy and i 100 percent fell for it but it's inexpensive and why the fuck not? Who knows? We'll try it. And then, if we want to get serious, I have some McClellan 10. That just So we sit in a camper when we do this. It's like our improvised sound studio. And Laura and I took a trip recently, and I just left a bottle of McClellan in here and forgot about it. So if we drink that, it'll be neat. And there's not much left because I drink. I just realized we were building fence. Yeah. <clears throat> All my life, growing up, if 
anyone handed my dad a beer, it it would need usually be a light beer, but it would just be any beer. Uh, they would always he would always quote this commercial from when I was a little kid. And, I've been working building fence all day, and all you got is a light beer. <laughs> and uh, I we have whiskey, so I guess it doesn't apply. But I just I remember that's still today. My dad does that. Yeah, nice. And we were literally building fence, like, like, uh, well, I wasn't all day just for a few minutes, but you were building fence all day. Yeah, it's half the day. I, I paid a little bit of attention to my family this morning, but, um, yeah, right about the hottest part of the day I got out there and attempted, oh man, it was a disaster. So I planned on digging with an auger and the auger bits are dull and they wouldn't go. So I ended up digging posts by hand, which I don't recommend and then I don't have a concrete mixer so I'm mixing in a wheelbarrow with a shovel and that's horrible too but manly so but manly. manly but and I'm on keto so I have no energy like I have enough energy to do normal stuff but digging almost three foot deep holes by hand and mixing concrete in a wheelbarrow that's those aren't normal activities those are really highly caloric activities and I got I got pretty tired so isn't the keto, aren't you supposed to have more energy and mental clarity? Isn't that the thing? The mental clarity is a thing. Appetite is suppressed, which is nice. I can easily go all day and only eat one meal and not feel anxious to eat. Um, and I and you feel good energy-wise doing normal shit. Like when I work my shift at the hospital, you know, I walk around and do things and talk to people and you know, make phone calls and do ordinary shit and it's fine. Right. But as soon as I have to, I probably was a little dehydrated too. Cause I drank, I've drank almost 45 ounces of water since like, you got here and I don't even think I've peed. Well, I certainly wouldn't hand you a light beer <laughs> working on the fence. At any rate, I got pretty tired doing that. And then right about the time of day that it got nice and we were really like making progress, the mosquitoes hit. And we basically, it was like the fall of Saigon. Like, we fucking picked up shit and, like, ran back to the house. You warned me, and I'm like, I'm not getting bit. And then all of a sudden, sure enough, I was getting hit hard. Oh, I have a shameless plug. Yeah. Yesterday, I was making my first time ever tomato beer, or what I call red eye. Some people would call it a Mikalata, but I wanted to do it. It's a, it's a Corona-style beer recipe that I used, and then I pureed 20 vine ripened tomatoes and dumped it in there and pitched the yeast um and i have a tincture i've made that's got like salt pepper uh worcestershire lemon juice uh horseradish a dried ancho pepper and that's all filled it with rum so that's in a jar in a dark place for the next two weeks um and i'll probably be adding more tomato juice to it because it didn't really get the tomato color i wanted you know um, but we're, Dave and I are going to be pouring this beer June 15th in Library Park, Lakeport, California for the homebrew competition. Be there or be nowhere. So if that beer sounds interesting to you and you want to try it, um, I think it's like 25 bucks and it's four or five hours. It's all you can drink. And the homebrew guys there will always have great stuff. Uh, malt Canocti mashers. And speaking of them, if you want to make better beer and you're a home brewer, join your local home brew club because those guys 
have probably had every problem you've had and they've got great information and always a great help and uh, they're so willing to share there are yeah. like that's the thing that um wasn't obvious about this group of guys they're so nice and want to be helpful and um you know in some some industries guys get a little snarky or you know they kind of like they they talk down to the newcomers man that is so not true about the beer scene no just the most helpful guys i, I like them all i've even been told you know you can't let people know what you're doing you got to keep your secrets I'm like look i'm not a commercial brewer so you can shameless plug number two you can go to my youtube channel see every beer i make see it step by step Oh, yeah, you play cards face up. You want to duplicate something I've made, it's all there. I don't hold anything back. Um, other than that, I like sheer laziness, and I still explain it later. You know, it would be funny on the YouTube channel. Well, before we move on, I'll, remind oh, me to come back to where we are. But Mr. Cole's Homebrew, by the way, is the YouTube channel. Yeah, be there or be nowhere. While plugging. <laughs> so you talked about, I thought I was thinking about when you said you might add some tomato juice. Dude, honestly, like... I would probably open up like a Zing Zang's Bloody Mary mix and dump that in there. That might be dynamite. Well, it's going to, I'm going to, after a primary fermentation, I'm going to try it. Okay. I got to take a, you know, a, a glass full amount just to see where uh, the alcohol versus sugar level is anyway. So in that, I usually put in the refrigerator and try if it's got a dynamite tomato flavor already, I may just leave it alone. Do you? Um, what's your acid? Do you have lemon or lime? Lemon. Lemon. Yeah, the lemon would be nice. In that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I made that tincture, it's, it smelled like food that you wanted to eat. Yeah. It smelled really good. I'm not sure if one lemon's going to do it, unless you want to leave the acid out so we can squeeze limes in it well, too, when we're pouring it. I figured we could have uh, limes there. It might be a fun way to serve and, it, like and, a little extra you know, thing. Like rub the lime on their rim and and uh, put it in salt. We could have little sticks of celery too. <clears throat> oh, also there's celery seed in that tincture. We'll celery see. salt, maybe, or celery seed. Actual maybe. seed, yeah. I've been using it for supposedly a, a, one other thing you're supposed to have to help cure gout. <clears throat> and I've been putting it in my smoothies, and you can overdo celery seed, I learned. Oh, yeah. And it can be hot. It's crazy. Interesting. I was totally celery so milk toast and boring. The celery seeds are like a punch in the face. I wish I had some right now. I want to try one. Oh. Huh. I'll bring you. I'll bring you a little Ziploc bag full because I have like a that was Bruno's giant bottles a lifetime yeah. supply, and I've learned it's just a little splash of. Um, I think I have some in there. Yeah. Oh, so you were talking about your channel and how you play your cards face up with everything yeah so you would never be putting ingredients out that would be blurred no no if if, if any ingredients like typically i'll show the ingredient in front of the, the the my camera which is my iphone yeah everything i do is my iphone <clears throat> and then all the words will be printed on the screen it'll say you know one ounce liquid malt extra extractor like that would ever be just one ounce most likely 10 ounces liquid malt extract or whatever it is i list the hops everything uh, yeah you you do i've, I've watched them you're so in them i'm in them and and i still watch them because i'm that vain <laughs> <laughs> so and i put them on for ruby sometimes because sometimes ruby just wants to watch she's four she just wants to watch something on youtube and i need to know the content without hovering 
So I'm like, you want to watch Daddy and Mr. Cole? And she's, she actually will watch them. Sometimes she's in them, too. Sometimes she's in them, too. But what I keep trying to get back to, and I, I don't know if this is funny or not, but, like, <laughs> since you don't blur out your ingredients, which I've seen on other on other types of YouTube videos, what if we picked random things in the shot and blurred them out, like, as if they were obscene, like... <laughs> I blur like I come walking in and my crotch is just blurred out like as if my zipper was down or something. That's an awesome idea. We like just do, that. do funny shit. Like go out of our way at the beginning to be like and just so you know, like we want you to see all the ingredients. We would never blur out ingredients or anything. And then all of a sudden in the video random things are blurry. Oh, and this brings up something I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> and this is an evil plan I want to come up to with you. Yeah. So it, it Anchor estimates that we have a listening audience of about 10 people, so we should be able to keep this fairly secret. Um, I want to come up with... Okay, so you're going to pour some whiskey right now. If we were to... Seem like the right thing to do. If we were to cheers our glass, what would you... Do you just say cheers, or what do you say? Um, you know, I love the Whiskey Tribe toast. It's kind of an end of the one. And, and So you'd say... Um, if you're drinking Irish whiskey, you could say schlante, because that's what they say there. This is what I'm getting to. Yeah, yeah. My German friends always say brosch. Brosch, yeah, that's a thing. And I always wonder, you know, like, when, and I haven't hung out with them in a long time, but when... I think, the, I think in Scotland they say, hey, fuck yourself. <laughs> that's awesome. But <laughs> I, I think, you know, a lot of people always have some foreign word or thing that they say when they toast... And even my German friends saying "brosch," I don't really know what that means. I could be saying "dick face." I don't. I don't know. Yeah. So my evil plan, I thought, you and I should come up with a toast, preferably in Spanish, that says something like something that means like I shit my pants or something, <laughs> and start going to parties and stuff. And you and I will toast like that. And as we toast with other people, we see if we can get them to do it until like we strategically do it around someone who is hispanic and they bust <laughs> they'll be like you guys know you're saying you shit your pants right yeah yeah, yeah what's the what's the what's the word for masturbate in spanish <laughs> so I, re I really think and you know if we get our listeners doing it too this would be a great thing for you guys to email us and, and let us know um we might have to build a YouTube channel just around that concept alone. It's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it is funny. So I have I have a cousin who does something similar, um, and it's very funny. And and I used to I used to do it, but I don't I don't do it anymore. I'm a little careful with what I say. But if he's around a group of people, like, and they're all sitting at a table in a bar or something, he'll be like, "All right, I have a toast. Everybody, glasses up." Everyone puts their glasses up to toast, and then once the glasses are all up, he'll say something really offensive. <laughs> he'll be like. White power. Oh my like, god! Wait, what, what? What did I just toast? <laughs> Dude, which is funny if you are with people that can take a joke, but man, that could go poorly. It, it can result in a beating. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so I do have a topic I want to go over here, and. Uh... <laughs> Okay, so I have re-listened to our episodes, at least episode one and two, and took notes on everybody and everything we talked about and reached out to all these people, podcasts, authors, um, and some people, believe it or not, responded back to us. Um, <clears throat> Tyler Bell 
from West Side Fairy Tales. Uh, you know, I mentioned that we mentioned his podcast, and he said, "Hey, Mr. Cole, thanks for the kind word and for considering my show as a topic on your for your podcast. Can I ask the name of it? I'd love to listen." So, <laughs> I you know. I didn't put in the emails what our podcast is called, but our email is 84 ounces to freedom at gmail.com. <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily tell you. That. So I told we're new. Okay. Um, yeah. I should uh, include the like, Hey, we mentioned you are our podcast. And then I don't say what it is at all. Like a genius. Uh, Jennifer from mad uh, Asian madness got back to me. She said, hi, Mr. Cole. Thank you for so much for writing me. Unfortunately, I am not named Mike, of course. <laughs> She's a, a true crime uh, podcast. But Mike is definitely a true crime host name. And then she goes on to say about Mike Brown as a great guy who is the, the host of uh, Dark Poutine. Uh, that's how I got into her podcast because they recommended it. I'm so glad you found my podcast through him. He's been really supportive of me and my podcast. I'll definitely have to go check out your podcast then. Thank you, Mr. Cole. Thank you for taking... Oh, that's Babs. So... That's kind words. What's her name again? Jennifer. She's Jennifer. super cool. Nice. She and um, I haven't listened to her yet. I'm going to check her out. Uh, Asian Madness is good because she, crazy things happen in Asia. That you've never heard of. You've never heard of, yeah. And she um, has a really good cadence to her voice and mm -hmm. stuff. And she's opinionative, too. Yeah. So she doesn't just say the facts and get on with the story. She literally voices her opinion quite a bunch, so that's nice. Yeah. <clears throat> if you listen to the other two episodes, you remember us talking about Pap's um, new whiskey that they're coming out. They oh, responded to me. when's that out? Um, he, he said, uh, well, whoever, this might be a corporate email. Thank you for taking the time to contact Pap's. To stay up to date on our Pap's white whiskey, be sure to check our social platforms or website, as this is where information regarding the release will be found. We have to try that yeah. on, on air. Please stay tuned. Our owner and leadership team has many great plans ahead. Again, thank you for contacting PAPS, and uh, they do cheers, like not our secret toast. <laughs> so then, Dan Carlin of True uh, of Hardcore History, one of my favorite podcasts, um, he has a guy named Ben who responds to you if you email. And he responded. He has like a staff. That's amazing. Yeah. The hardcore history is serious, man. Uh, so he said, Mr. Cole, thank you so much for the kind words. Dan also did a show called Logical Insanity, which is about the morality of dropping the bomb. If you want this episode, Ooh, please. I want to listen to that. Yeah. I, yeah. We it, talked a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. If you want this episode, please feel free to sign up and order checking out with the check payment option to finish the order. Then email the order number to me and I'll approve it. Let me know. Thank you. So that's very cool. Um, Christy Lee from Canadian True Crime, um, when I told her about our how we've mentioned her podcast and about our whole concept of you got to be named Mike, uh, her response was, LOL, thank you so much. And again, like you expect, what's the name of your podcast? Because I'm a dumbass. <laughs> and uh, Jack Luna from Dark Topic um, and responded, Hey, thanks, man. I'll check you out. Fist pump emoji. And um, so I guess he figured out because I'm sure I didn't tell him what it was called. Or maybe I learned my lesson by then. I'm not sure. 
Um, we actually have a few followers on Twitter now. Um, most of these are podcasts. A Drinking Story has followed us. A woman named Claudia Alande. Her thing is Scared to Be Alone. I believe she's a model, seems to be. Uh, Smoking and Drinking in Space followed us. A Tale of Two Cities. And of course, like you expected, Trump 2020 is following us. (laughs) 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 And then um, we literally have a five-star rating on um, the main podcast channel uh, based on two ratings that... um, I made Wyatt and Sophie do. (laughs) And they didn't put any comments. They just hit the five stars. But here's what's crazy. It took like a month for that to change. Really? Yeah, really weird. Um, And according to Anchor, episodes one through three have a total of 61 listens. And our estimated audience is 10 people. So you 10 people out there, thank you very much for listening. And, uh, oh, and our page on Facebook has 48 likes which I believe is 10% of my f- the friends I have on Facebook, like, say, 180. Huh. 480 or something. That's so nice. I had no idea. I wonder why anyone would listen to this. I know. So th- it's happening. Um, <coughs> so I had... Are we, are we still going for a sponsor? We'd... That was all I had for correspondence. So I'm going to go off on a rant and a tangent, as okay. one does. I'll get another ice cube while you, you do should. Um, I was at the grocery store yesterday. Um, today is April something. It's a couple days after tax day. It's April 18th, so yesterday was April 17th. We were in rural northern California, and it was one of the prettiest weather days you could ever hope for. I believe in the heat of the day it went... 74 75 what would you say yeah i don't think it went 80 it might have gone 80 today but yesterday wasn't quite as warm yeah pretty hot today um at any rate i i was out with the kids and we got a new puppy and we we were basically when i was out at the park i'm trying to get the the new puppy accustomed to children so i take him to the park and lots of kids come up and pet him and i have little training words enzo and he is a... We'll, we'll get into all that. Okay. But um, I, I get... I, the kids feed him little training words. It, it's really cute. But um, when I was at the park, Laura texted me a shopping list. You know, wives do that. So we stopped at the grocery store and we're in the back... Or, or I'm in my three-quarter ton Dodge um, because we talk trucks. Yes. <laughs> and... Um, you know, it's it's a. I don't want to leave the dog in the cab because it's a little bit warm. It would have been okay for a few minutes, but there's no shade in that parking lot. But it's like a breezy 75 out at the most. And so I, I have a crate in the bed of the truck, so I put the dog in the crate in the bed of the truck. And we went inside, and I was I probably had six eight items. I was in there for no longer than like 18 minutes. Like, I got my kids frozen yogurt as we were going in, and they were, like, just finishing it as we were done. And that's two children sharing a cup of frozen yogurt. And when I came out, there was this weird old hippie guy that was concerned for the, like, safety or comfort, I don't know, of my puppy. And he was 
applying newspaper around the crate to try to provide like shade for the dog. Oh my god. Now again, this is Northern <coughs> California in April and it's weather that you would literally like you you would be like weather you would go on a destination vacation to achieve. Like you would fly to San Diego to like get the temperatures that it was yesterday. I, I see people still wearing sweatshirts. That's the thing. So yeah. anyway, I come out and I, and and this guy is taking things from the back of my truck and like his own newspaper that he got from his truck and he's trying to use pieces of two by four or whatever else is you know at the back of my truck is full of shit because it's a truck and he's trying to like apply them to keep the newspaper from blowing away because it's breezy and i'm like what are you doing man and i i'm holding a two-year-old my four-year-old's in the cart and he's like oh well it's hot you know the dog was hot i felt bad he's panting and i said it's like 70 man and he's like but he's black and i'm like the like and he's like look at him he's panting he's hot i said dogs do that yes and my I dogs said, do that when they're laying on the couch yeah yeah i said <laughs> i said like if if i was walking him down the street in the sunshine for the same amount of time that he was in the back of this truck, you wouldn't have had, like, you're having an emotional reaction to a dog in a cage. It's all the time, man. Because if I was walking down the street, like, it would have been no big deal, and he would have been panting. And then finally, as I'm arguing, so I, finally, as the guy starts to walk away, I tell him to mind his own business, and he turns around, fuck you, man. <laughs> like, in front of my two-year-old. This is really classy, nice. you know, grandpa with a cane, right? There's no chance that this like turns into a physical altercation but it occurred to me as he gets about 10 or 15 steps away that he's wearing a sweater jesus he's wearing like a mr rogers like very mr rogers type of sweater so finally i yelled like hey like you're wearing a sweater man dude <laughs> and he just kept walking and then people that like observed the the our argument, I guess you would call it. Well, we weren't yelling at each other, but like we were, you know, we were exchanging unpleasantries. You were vocal. Yeah, I, I don't think I used profanity, but I did try to like demean him. I'll say you're pretty good in public when it's like a well, challenging it's a small moment. town, and yeah. I work in a public role, so I got to be a little bit careful. Like your fucking nurse, dude. That guy could be seeing you at your job. Yeah, tomorrow. I, I, I might literally have to like. You're that fucking guy with the. I, I, look, I look pretty different when I'm at work, and I'd be surprised if he put it together. But at any rate, um, I didn't. I didn't holler at him. I didn't swear at him. I just. I tried to like. What I tried to do was illustrate like his inconsistency because I can appreciate like his concern, and he's thinking with emotion, but he's not using logic. Oh, dude! And Jamie sees that all the time in in babies. Like she'll be freaking out and i'm like what the, what's the fucking problem look at that fucking lady and there's a lady with shoes on and a jacket and she's got a baby that's just in a diaper with bare legs and bare feet and it's the middle of winter she yeah, but, goes it fucking drives her crazy but babies have brown adipose tissue so they can make heat in ways that we cannot so true but i mean if you need a jacket probably your it's, baby yeah, should yeah. Too. it's it's a good idea but. yeah if that, as long as that baby has fat to burn, that baby will probably actually be okay. I should be okay forever then. <laughs> no, you can't. You don't have brown adipose tissue. Oh, you're right. It, it's it's unusual for adults to be able to maintain that. 
Um, anyway, so let me tell about my puppy then, because we, we drove a long fucking way to get this dog. Yeah, you're crazy. Jamie says you've always wanted this, and I'm like, what? It's I, actually I know not. Nothing about this. It's actually not the breed of dog that I've always wanted. Um, it's the breed of dog that make the most sense for us right now, but what I always wanted was a borble, which is a South African Mastiff. And they're big and they're bred to protect South African farms from like hyenas and shit. And they're very protective and they're big. And they're, um, but they're good family dogs. They're good around children. And we, we live on a little ranch here, so having a farm dog is kind of a good thing. Trying this coffee whiskey, by the way. Yeah, I have a theory about that. We have to get to that if I can get through my fucking rambling. Sure. So at any rate, I always wanted a borble, but they're expensive and they're hard to come by and we can't afford one right now. And the breeder we wanted to get one from, like, had the fortunate... Like, they sold one of their dogs to a celebrity. Um, wow. A lady uh, MMA fighter, Ronda Rousey, I think, bought a dog Jesus. from them. And that instantly doubled the price of all of their <laughs> dogs going forward. Because they now have this picture of this pretty young celebrity woman on their website clutching this cute puppy. And so we, it basically made it unattainable and there aren't any other breeders around here. So that is on the back burner and I still want to get one someday. But for now, we wanted a similar dog that would meet our needs and we decided on a Conocorso, which is an Italian farm dog um, that does a lot of the same things. They're not nearly as big, but we, Conocorsos are easier to come by. Like we found many litters around, you know, within half a day's drive. And we were able to get Enzo, is his name, and he's so cute. But we drove down to a town called Mariposa, which is like towards Yosemite almost, to get him. Dang. And it was kind of an adventure. We took the camper. Laura and I in the camper with no kids, which we've never done. Boy, that is an interesting change, not having children. <laughs> it was nice. Well, while you were there, I was at the Russian River Brewery in I Windsor know. checking out the new one. Drank your dick off. Yeah, and I tried the sampler, and um, you know what I ordered after the sampler? What? Plenty of the Elder, of course. It's like I was thinking, man, the sampler is twenty-four bucks. Plenty is five bucks. I could have just had four plenties, you know. Yeah. Actually, I would have had five. Yeah. And the nurse, or the nurse, Jesus Christ, the wait, <laughs> the wait. They don't have nurses working there; they're waitresses. <laughs> um, she pronounced it Pliny. Did, did uh, which we know when we went to the Russian River booth at the Boonville Bear Festival, which is coming plenty. up on April twenty seventh. Yeah, and I'm off. Anyways, um, they said, "Well, there's no E, so of course it's Pliny." But we're not arrogant about it. We don't give it. Everyone calls it Pliny right. or Pliny. I've been equally. correct. I've I've ordered a Pliny mm-hmm. and and had the person taking my order correct me. Notice say, there's oh, no E, douchebag. You mean, you mean a Pliny? And I just like roll my eyes. I'm not gonna try. Like, I'm not gonna try to explain the, phonetic pronunciation. And it, probably both are wrong because he was Italian, right? Roman, yeah. Roman, yeah, because yeah. he was killed in the explosion of Mount Vesuvius. So it probably wasn't even pronounced that way, <laughs> anyways. So, um, God, man, I found it on tap at all these places down in Sonoma. Like you were telling me that you go like over to Bodega Bay, you'll find it on tap where we, it's on tap at a few places in, uh, like Healdsburg Bar and Grill, which is fabulous. It's on tap there. 
like like that's so cool because you never would find that in Southern California where I grew up like in San Diego at least when I was living there if a bar <coughs> like some like a really important beer bar like Tornado or something like that if they get a pint of plenty in a pint a keg, keg. of plenty in it's like an event. Like they put it on their website, and people come from across the county to drink it because it, they don't get penetration into those markets as much as you'd like with not in stores the, with the draft. Yeah. Now, I was talking about it at work, and a physician that I work with that lives down in Sebastopol or somewhere down there in Sonoma County. I don't actually know where he lives, but. He says that they have it at Trader Joe's down there. No way. In bottles. What are the size bottles? We've brought them home before. They're not 22 ounce. They're, they're probably like 18 or yeah, something. Yeah, they're something like that. But um, limit six per adult, so take yeah. the wife with you. Right. But you can get them. Mm-hmm. You can actually bring it, bring it home, which is kind of neat. I did not know that. That's easier than getting into the brewery. I should have sent my growlers down with you because oh, I have two of their I growlers. Didn't think about it. But that would have been a good idea. I didn't know. I, I didn't know we were going. I there. know it was a surprise. It was not my birthday, but it was two days before, three days, something. Close enough. No one could do anything on my actual birthday, being a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so it was cool. I do have another story that I want to talk about that I think you will find interesting. So this is about a Japanese soldier that didn't stop killing after the end of World War II. And I think I told you a little bit about this. Um, It's a crazy story. I found it very interesting. So his name was Hiro Onada, which is H-I-R-O-O. So it could be Hiru. I'm going. You I'm think going. Hiro. I'm going Hirio. Hirio. So <laughs> Hirio Onada was born on March 19th, 1922. He was known to say of himself, "Quote: I was always defiant and stubborn in everything I did." Really. He had samurai ancestors, and his father fought in the Second Sino-Japanese War in China. You ever hear of that war? Uh, no, I'm unfamiliar, man. I know zero about it, so... We gotta ask that Asian Asian babe to do a podcast. Yeah, um, Jennifer might know a little bit about that. In the army, he trained in unconventional techniques techniques such as guerrilla warfare, sabotage, counterintelligence, and propaganda. These skills worked well for him on the Luban Island, known as the Pearl of Borneo in the Philippines. He was ordered to hold off the Philippines and Americans with his skills on that this island for as long as possible. The rest of the forces there chose to engage the enemy, and the conflict on the island quickly ended with the loss of their forces. Onada was able to recruit three fellow soldiers, and they retreated to the 70% of the island that is covered with vegetation, known as the Forests of Luban. They prepared to employ guerrilla tactics against the Americans and the Philippines. So, he carried on this style of warfare for an amazing 29 years. I know, I heard it was over 20 years. Unbelievable. The war ended in 1945. 
He noticed that the conflict began to lessen at this time, but refused to believe that Japan would ever surrender. It was taught at the time that Japan would never surrender and that every last man, woman, and child was expected to take up weapons against the enemy if necessary. Onada continued killing local farmers and engaged in shootouts with police that were sent after him. The three soldiers survived on stolen rice, coconut, and meat from cattle when they did farm raids. This was their pastime when not attacking Philippine troops. Hiro, Hiro however, um, I have a huge typo here. Anyways, the Americans started dropping leaflets on them, telling them that the war was over. But Hero dismissed the leaflets as fake American propaganda. This was mainly because they were full of grammatical mistakes in Japanese. Yeah. So, of course, they're like reading this. Oh, this is fake. Look, this isn't real. Uh, One of his men actually surrendered in 1949 when he concluded that the war must be over in 1952. Um, why not send this guy back to the other three guys left to explain? Seems like an obvious thing to do. Yeah, but that didn't happen. America then dropped leaflets with photos of their families and letters. Onada said of these, quote, I assumed they were living under occupation and had to obey the authorities to survive. So his family's writing him saying, dude, it's over, and he's not buying that. In 1954, he lost another of his team when the man was shot by authorities. I, I'm not leaving their names out due to disrespect. I just, they were too crazy to pronounce, so I'm not even going to try. I <clears throat> These men at the time were wanted criminals. In 1972, his, his last ally was killed by police when they were in the act of burning a, a rice silo. Uh, Hiro Onada was not alone was now alone in the Luban jungle. And I'm probably pronouncing Luban wrong. It's L-U-B-A-U-N. No, for me. I apologize, Island of the Philippines. Is it, you said it's Borneo? The, the Pearl of Borneo. Yeah. Uh, in 1974, this is really interesting. Norio Suzuki, an adventurer, set off on a mission to see a Lieutenant Onada, a panda bear, and the abominable snowman in that order. Hmm. He found Onada and luckily was not shot. Suzuki told him that the Emperor and Japan were worried about him. Suzuki asked him why he would not come out. Onada said he could not until he was relieved by his superior officer. Oh, did they dig the guy up? Well, the guy told them, you know, stay here and fight, and then he never saw him again. So, He's In his mind, he's following orders. Mm-hmm. When Suzuki returned to Japan, he told the government what he had learned about Onada. Suzuki may or may not have found the Yeti. We will never know, as he died in an avalanche in 1986 while he was still searching for the elusive creature. What's that book where they see Yetis? Where they go across the Russian wilderness? The you... Long Walk. Yeah. It's that... one of the best books I've ever read read that book if you're have you read it yeah you i think you bought it for me did i oh okay i forgot that i bought it for you i enjoyed it not stephen king's the long walk that's a whole different or um it's under his pseudonym richard bachman that's why it intrigued me too i should never forget that 
the government tracked down Hero's superior office, officer, who was now a bookstore owner, and they flew him to the island of Lebon in a fresh uniform to relieve Hero Onoda. Hero accepted the order from his commander to surrender on March 9, 1974, at the age of 52. His uniform was tattered, but his sword and rifle were both in excellent condition, and he still had 500 rounds as well as his dagger. How the hell do you make clothes last for 29 years? I, I don't even have a pair of jeans that make it a year. The Philippines pardoned him for his crimes against the state, even though Onada <coughs> and his three allies killed 30 Luban civilians and authorities. Dang. After wartime. Dang. So that's pretty amazing they were that forgiving. He was so popular upon his return to Japan, he was urged to begin work in Japanese political offices. He released a book called No Surrender, My 30-Year War. He doesn't mention all the civilian and authorities he killed in his book, though. He later moved to Brazil to raise horses and then returned to Japan to start an educational camp for young people. But, you know, he did return to Lebanon and donate $10,000 to build a school there in 1996. So that actually is kind of him saying, sorry. 30 people, man. I spent Plus all the property damage. 29 years being an asshole. Sorry. It's a weird, it's yeah. a weird story. He died of heart failure on January 6, 2014. Age 91. 91. 2014. Yeah. 2014, that's when Ruby was born. That's amazing, huh? Everybody who's 91 has heart failure. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, I have heard that prolonged, like, hunger does prolong your life. Like, being continually hungry or long fasts like that actually do prolong your life. It doesn't surprise me that you lived a long time. Well, they say we dig our own grave with a shovel that goes right to our mouth. Yes, and I'm really good at that. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Well, that's a cool story, man. Crazy, huh? We still can't. We still don't know their names, but it was cool. I mean, 2014. Like, we should be able to find. 2014 was yesterday. Like, we should be able to find YouTube interviews yeah. with that guy. Possible. The, the education camp was a little weird. That was, I didn't see it that was, coming. It, it was like for um, helping kids like know how to survive in the wild, basically what he was really good at. He probably was good at that. Um, and propaganda. That's you you sending your young person to that camp? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. And he went to Brazil. I guess he was probably very comfortable in the jungle. Horse farmer. But Brazil probably has good jungles, like the Amazon Basin and stuff. Yeah, you would imagine. I wonder if, like, his skills were applicable there. Crazy, dude. That's yeah. a crazy story. What else you got? I got something even crazier for you. Oh, yeah? This is going to really bother you. So, keeping with our medical serial killer theme i love it uh because we're not qualified for other true crime because neither of us is named mike true um this is the lane's angel of death story now lane's is l-a-i-n-z and this is in austria so i believe i'm saying it correctly lane's like bowling lanes <laughs> but <clears throat> if i'm wrong and you're from vienna and you can correct me 
Fuck yourself. Do, so Dave says, fuck you. I want to know how to say it correctly. And our emails, 84 ounces to freedom at gmail.com. Hit me up. In Lanes, Vienna, between 1983 and 1989, an unknown number of patients were murdered by medical staff. Waltrude Wagner, age 23, was asked by a 77-year-old patient to end her life. She complied by injecting her with a lethal dose of morphine. She confessed later that she found holding life and death in her hands was a power that she found to be intoxicating. She went on to kill more patients. Uh, not necessarily because they wanted to die. Oh, I see. Yeah, she, she enjoyed it. Wagner had an attractive personality and was, a, was great at manipulation. She used her leadership skills and was amazingly able to recruit three other nurses, nurses into her coven of dark punishments. That's unusual. This wow. is going to blow you away. Okay, you got my attention now. 19-year-old Maria Gruber, a single mother and nursing school dropout. 21-year-old Irene Leadoff. Let me go back to that, too. Nursing school dropout. Can you still be a nurse if you drop out of nursing school? Oh, no, man. Oh, that's great. Well, this is in Austria, so... Um, Not quite as crazy as Asia, but... True. 21-year-old Irene Leadoff, who was happy to be away from her home and her husband for any reason, and 43-year-old Stefanja Meyer. I guarantee you I fucked that name up. A Yugoslavian immigrant that was also a divorced grandmother. It is said that they converted the nurse's ward that they worked in into something that closely mimicked a Nazi death camp. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, you know, the the only... I know nothing about Austria. Everything I know about Austria, I learned from The Sound of Music. And yeah. there, were, there were Nazis in The Sound of Music. Really? I am fucking lame. I have never watched The Sound of Music. Ugh. I love musicals too, which most people, me being a... How old am I? 46-year-old metalhead now? Would not typically enjoy musicals, but I do. I, I like musicals, <laughs> strangely. Um, mostly rock operas, but there, there are quite a few musicals I do like. Jesus Christ Superstar, my favorite, which most people can't believe. So, morphine, insulin, and tranquilizers were initially used to kill their patients. If a patient did something, something as simple as constantly complain snore too loud, ring the bell for assistance too much, or shit the bed, their name would get put on a list for execution the following day. Oh, man. Wagner was known to say, quote, this one gets a ticket to God. These statistics... Wow. This is good whiskey. These sadistic bitches weren't getting enough out of simply overdosing their patients. They wanted a more hands-on approach where they could really enjoy and experience their patient's death with a front row seat. Their new method involved one nurse pinching a patient's, I put in parentheses, victim, nose and holding their head, while the other nurse depressed their tongue and poured water down their throat. They admitted to enjoying the gurgling and gasping struggles of the dying. Since elderly patients routine, routinely have water present in their lungs, the, what they called water routing would make it hard to determine cause of death. Yeah, that's probably true. Five years 
after the deaths began, Pavilion 5, where they worked, gained the nickname Death Pavilion. And as you and I know, as soon as there's a nickname, you got a medical serial killer on your hands. Double O Swango, Angel of Death, um, as we know. A year later, the killings continued, and a doctor was suspended for not investigating the large number of deaths associated in the pavilion. That is amazing. So a guy lost his job because he couldn't explain. I, I, I don't know. It's, yes. <laughs> this is going to blow you away how they fucking got caught. They finally made a mistake with a dumb habit they had. They would go to a local bar after work and laugh and tell jokes about who they had killed that day. As one does. Yeah. In February of 1989, a doctor at a nearby table overheard them laughing about a patient they had killed that day. Julia Drapel had refused medication the day before and paid with her life for making them mad. He went to the police and they were arrested two months later. The four Two con- months later? How many people died during the investigation? Yeah. Like This has also been true with... Colin, the nurse, and Swango, yeah. where people knew and they were investigating and he was still killing people. Yeah. That's crazy. I gotta read that other book. Um, the four confessed to 49 murders over a six-year period, and Wagner confessed to 39 of her own, saying, the ones who got on my nerves were given a free bed to the with the Lord. They were convicted in March 1991, Wagner for 15 murders, 17 attempted murders, and two counts of assault that got her life in prison. Leadoff was convicted of five murders and got life. Must be a non-capital country. Yes. Mayer was convicted of manslaughter and attempted murder, and she got 20 years. Gruber also got the same conviction, but strangely was only sentenced to 15 years. So she's out. A couple of them are out. Just wait. It is unofficially believed that they were actually responsible for somewhere between 200 and 300 deaths. It's like similar numbers to, to Colin. Ready for the fucked part of the story? <laughs> yeah. That's not bad enough. Apparently, Austria considers life imprisonment to be too harsh. After only a few years, Mayer and Gruber were released. Wagner and Leadoff were also released in April... 2008 it is believed they are still living in austria under different names and i I put this just as my own opinion shame on you austria these victims did not receive justice can you believe that they're out that's crazy all four all four man and and um does it say how old they would be now um like in their 60s or are they older than that I'd have to do math, which is impossible at this point. That's great. That's a that's an amazing story, man. And to just be free after a small amount of time, I don't think they even did more than five years. That's so wild. <clears throat> that's Although, crazy, man. My math on that's questionable. Those are big numbers for like people that they hurt. That's crazy. And would go to the bar and laugh, and and the method of killing them is terrible. So. It occurred to me when she did the first one, it was it was significantly less um, evil, probably. So the first, yeah, the first one was 
genuine, hey, I'm, you know, I'd like you to help me leave this planet. I'm sick or, you know, whatever the reason. What is this now? That's McClellan. You don't want ice for that. That's you. I don't want ice. Are no, you no, sure? you would drink that neat. Yeah. All but right. There's there's etiquette. But okay, so like, like lots of countries in Europe do medically assisted suicide now and i don't think that's the right thing to do and i think that what she did during that first murder still was evil but it was not as overtly evil as killing someone for shitting the bed and then laughing at it at the bar the next day like that's just terrible like i i i do sort of distinguish those two things and it's interesting because my theory of sort of how people develop is that the the little things that we do change us in ways that affect our future behavior, right? So the the Nazi SS guards who were shoving children into gas chambers and closing the door and listening to them die didn't do that their first day. Right. Like they started out their first day by doing something that was dehumanizing to a Jew but wasn't that overtly evil. And then, you know, by shades and shades over a period of whatever it takes for that individual to change, eventually you have someone that's started out as an ordinary dad who goes to work and does this all day and then comes home and reads his children books before they go to bed. And what's that? There's a Netflix movie. I think it's is it called The Push? Yes. Oh, you have got I've so, seen it. It's it's a it's incredible and and that is all sped way up. He attempts to take he attempts to take an ordinary person and make them kill an innocent person in one hour. And I won't I won't reveal anything else. But if you haven't seen it, you're welcome. Watch it. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's I, a, it's I made an, the whole family watch it. They were not happy. It's unbelievable. They didn't appreciate it. But <clears> at any rate. Um, the the idea that you can change yourself and make it a little bit easier to do the next subsequent like evil thing by doing something by by sort of pushing through something that your conscience doesn't agree with um is very in line with my faith like CS Lewis writes a lot about this and it does seem to be present in that story where the first murder she does <clears throat> I'm not saying it's it's justifiable and and as a nurse I've had patients ask me to kill them and I've had Dang. to explain to them that, that I'm not going to. That's not what I do. Um but it it's she justified it in her own mind and she 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 put together some sort of ends justify the means thing and and that probably changed her a little bit and eventually you know she's killing people and laughing about it in a bar and and that's crazy um it's it's a theme that we see in our culture in other ways and i have two examples that wouldn't be immediately obvious but um there actually shows that both went hugely hugely successful because i believe the reason they were successful is people without even maybe overtly realizing it saw something of a truth something of the truth of what i was just talking about in the shows the first one is the walking dead um in the walking dead everyone starts off as normal people 
ordinary moms and dads. And the the show isn't actually about zombies. The zombies are just sort of there in the background to provide a constant level of stress. The real monsters in the show are actually people. True. And I agree with that. The ordinary <clears throat> moms and dads that start off as as people that would be very much like us have never done anything violent. You know, in this first season, by dribs and drabs, by like season five, they're like torturing people to death and stuff. Yeah. Because the little things that you do that are, they change you and they make it easier to do like subsequent bad things. And I believe that, that one of the reasons the show is so successful is people sort of, maybe even without knowing it, identified that in the show and said, yeah, that's the way human nature is. The other show that this is so obvious in is Breaking Bad. He starts out, he says, I'm going to make these drugs because i got to pay my medical bills. And you you don't hate him at first. Like You're like, all right. Like, like I, could, I could see myself like justifying that. You know, maybe you could, maybe you couldn't. But, but by the end, he is just evil. He's a murderer. <laughs> He, any, like, any justification has gone away. He says by the end, I, I'm no longer in the drug business. I'm in the empire business. He's absolutely just about it for power. And so you watch this guy transform. That's why it's called Breaking Bad. Ah. And, and people love that show because they recognize that that's in them. That, uh, that capability is in them. Even, maybe they don't even know it. Yeah. I've never watched Breaking Bad. I've been meaning to forever. It's good. I've watched. Some, I've seen a few episodes, but I have not like. Well, with the Netflix, I can binge anything, right? It's good. They start off by by making you sympathetic towards a guy who's making and distributing crystal meth, nice. which is not easy to do. I wouldn't. Imagine. But he starts off as a <clears throat> as a protagonist, um, and then at some point. You're gonna jump off that bandwagon and realize he's a bad guy. Yeah. But how far, how many seasons that takes, or how far down the line that takes, is probably different for each person. By the end, he's a monster. Yeah. And some people maybe still like him even at the end. But it's an interesting journey. I thought so. Anyway. Well, I definitely have to watch it. So, I believe we're at the end of our podcast. <clears throat> Do you have anything else? Um, I don't know, man. I I blabbered. I'm hammered. <laughs> I have a toast ready. Nice, nice. Uh, you learned how to say I shit my pants in Spanish? I need... No, we gotta go masturbation. <laughs> I just jerked off all over myself? <laughs> something. Like, I don't know. We, we'll have to think of something really embarrassing that can be summarized into like two words so this is our homework for and for the next episode <clears throat> two weeks from now as we are consistently putting out an, an episode every two weeks um we got all up, our livers can handle we'll come up with exactly what this toast is going to be and uh we'll try to get some video some bonus footage on the patreon since i should probably use that for something i guess yeah and uh well until then here's to fighting Stealing and drinking. Nice. If you fight, may you fight for a friend. If you steal, may you steal a lover's heart. And if you drink, please.
please drink with us. Now, I hope these Whiskey Tribe guys don't get pissed at us for taking their shit. I, I gave them credit. And, that's and true. they actually, they that's got that thing. toast. Someone sent them that toast. Oh, that's from a listener. I believe it or was. They we put out YouTube. They're, it's I, a watcher. I believe they put out a competition in that oh. one. Because they have a few good ones. That's not the only good one they have. But um, it warms my heart. I like it. It's 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 very much after my own heart. So, you know, I, I hope those guys don't get mad if I use their shit. Anyway. Cheers, Cheers, motherfuckers. So check out uh, my YouTube channel, Mr. Cole's Homebrew, if I didn't plug that enough already. Dave and I are going to be pouring some pretty cool beers this June 15th in Lakeport, California. Also, the Cookie Monster Stout is about to go into secondary. I'm super excited about that beer. Uh, questions and opinions, or if you have a good toast we can use for this uh, kind of joke thing we're planning on, Email us at the numbers 84, the letters OZ, the number 2, freedom at gmail.com. Yes, that's 84 ounces to freedom. Uh, since I apparently don't tell people what the podcast is called. We're learning. We're learning. Hey, we're new. Hit us on the Facebook and Twitter. People are following us as we've learned, and uh, they're hitting like. Uh, thank you for following along with us. We didn't drink a bunch of beer this time. Our podcast is everywhere you listen to podcasts now. Thanks to the Anchor app, which is super cool. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, download the Anchor app. It's super easy, and uh, it's been fun. And uh, we're on Patreon, and so hopefully we'll get some uh, behind-the-scenes stuff on there for you guys soon. Thanks for listening.